Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Welcome everyone to the MMA Weekly on the Sport Bronx Sports Jedi Network. I am Austin. This is my co-host Chef Dan. How are you doing tonight, Chef Dan? Salute to you. Salute to everyone joining us tonight as we um gonna go over this awesome uh UFC event that just recently happened. I'm doing good right now and just still recuperating off of a great Knicks victory. I had the pleasure of calling earlier with the Jedi earlier, but now we're here to talk this violence. We're here to talk these blood sports. So Let's get right into it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's get right to it. Um, start the main event, or we can start right with the main event. I, I, because I also have some things I want to talk about in regards to to the preliminaries. Okay. On the main event was between Curtis Blades and and Chris Dawkins in the heavyweight division. Curtis Blades wins the fight via second round um, KO. Second round, eighteen seconds in the second round, and. Do we have footage? I believe we have footage. With I believe we do have some footage. Give me one moment as I pull it up for us. And it's Curtis Blades is doing work. You know. Oh! Huge laugh for Curtis Blades. Oh, my goodness. That big job. Let's do it. Curtis Razor Blades by knockout. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. that That's how the fight ended right there in the second round and it was after a whole lot of patience that was shown in the first round but then these two guys Dawkins and 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 blades were just throwing leather at each other throughout the night and the the commentators were really making a note of it dc and bisping were really making a note of it curtis blades decided tonight uh decided last night he just wasn't gonna wrestle he chose not to wrestle he didn't want to take it to the ground at all he at most, if 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 anyone was gonna think that it was gonna be taken to the ground, it was Chris Dawkins only because Curtis Blaze didn't even indicate. He didn't fake shoot not once. 
he didn't go for for uh Dawkins's legs now once this was a strictly a stand-up fight for Curtis Blades he decided I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna throw the hands with this man and I believe I can score the knockout he was truly confident in a stand-up game and he was able to execute that man well what, what did you think Austin I was very surprised. No, no wrestling, no taking out attempts from um, Curtis Blades. I thought that's going to be his key to victory, considering he's a very great wrestler, very good wrestler in the weight class. And I thought he would have to clear advantage over Dawkins in the wrestling department, grappling, but he decided not to, and it paid off because he did. He did all right. He did great standing up. I mean, he was patient. I mean, Dawkins didn't hit, didn't, didn't hit him with anything that can hurt him. And then the second round, like like I said, 18 seconds, he, he lands the right that drops Dawkins, and then basically, then you know, drop, then hit, you know, starts throwing to the ground and well, yeah, ground and pound, and then Dawkins goes limiting and that's the end of the fight. I I was very surprised. I, I don't know if maybe he was, I, maybe he's been working on striking this, these last this, this past camp, and believe he's made so much improvement that he's willing to st stand with these fighters, or maybe he thought maybe he worked against Dawkins. And that's what he side to, but that was the thing I the thing I took from the most was the fact that he didn't go for takedowns, which was very surprising. I agree with you 100% there. Um, I don't think he was just working on the striking for this camp. I think we've seen Curtis Blades all in all try to make a conservative effort to get his striking game to a better place because we know for, for, for um, anyone, when you're entering the game of mixed martial arts, if you're truly, you know, if you have a, a, a bit of expertise in one martial art, that means you're not you're not really looking for other things because in that martial art, especially when you compete in that martial art, you have like a set of rules to go to. So when you're a collegiate wrestler, you're not really training yourself to look for strikes because collegiate wrestlers aren't looking for strikes. They're just looking for someone who's going to try and uh, you know, get control. They're not even trying to get submissions like that. Most of these collegiate wrestlers, they want to get control time. So with uh, Curtis Blades, we've seen that ever since he's made it to the UFC and really uh, after a certain amount of fights, like after a certain fight, I don't know. I think it's, it's even really prior to the Derek Lewis fight. We saw him being, you know, just making the effort to just really try and get the striking game on par to his wrestling game. That's all he's ever wanted. And now we're getting to a point where you we saw it these last couple of fights. The Yair Rosenstreich fight, I thought that he outstruck Yair Rosenstreich. I thought even in the Derek Lewis fight, he showed more skill than Derek Lewis. It's just that Derek Lewis has the freak of nature power that can put anyone out. But I thought Curtis Blades was showing his striking ability in those two fights. And although with the Derek Lewis fight, he didn't get the result he wanted. In the Rosenstruck fight, it was closer to that. And now with this fight with Chris Dawkins, what I truly appreciated above all else was that it wasn't just him trying to make, uh, you know, it wasn't him just trying to land the knockout. He's trying to land it convincingly so that everything around the performance for him, it was a statement. And Curtis Blades truly made a statement last night. And now we're to a point where I don't know if you can have a discussion for a heavyweight championship bouts and not include Curtis Blades' name. No, you can't. After this performance, he, his name has to be included, especially for the interim heavyweight title. 
considering it's been a while for Francis comes back. But um, I'm I don't I'm sure, I'm trying to remember the Derek Lewis fight now. Like I'm trying I don't you're right about the Rosenstruck fight because if I remember in that fight he his striking was better than was he was doing better. He had good striking going against a guy who has a kickboxing background, Rosenstruck. So maybe it, I think you make a good point. His striking has been getting a lot better his recent fights. And we saw here, no wrestling t- at all. He was able to stand with Dawkins. He was able to put him away. And if you really want to impress the UFC and put yourself in that position to get a title fight, having impressive victories does help, especially considering in the past, Dana White has been very critical of Curtis Blades, i.e. the Volkov performance back in June 2020. I agree with you 100%. But um, going back to that Derek Lewis fight, I don't know if you remember it. Derek Lewis caught him off of playing possum. You remember Derek Lewis was playing possum. Blades goes in thinking he's got it. And then, boom, the uppercut comes from right under. But that, like, the fact that he had Derek Lewis playing possum lets you know for me that he was out striking Lewis to me. It's just Derek Lewis has that type of power. It's. One shot and good night, Irene. But all in all, man, like uh, like we've been saying, it's 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 getting to that time now. Blade's name has to be involved in the interim championship discussion. And especially when we're about to, well, the speculation around the sport is that you're going to give the interim championship to two guys who really just haven't been active like that. One guy more like, I mean, both of these guys in a in a way have a um I said both of these guys in a way have a have a claim to being the next guy up challenging for the title shot but we know that that uh we know that Francis Ngannou is recovering off of injury so it's not gonna happen that it, it you know it's not gonna happen that way at this point man it with the rumor of Miocic versus Jones out there I think I think Blades did the right thing in calling out Cyril Gaon for that matchup. And even if it's not for the interim title, the fact that you have a guy who was just in there fighting for the title versus Curtis Blades, who everyone has, we have touted up and down. Like this guy is the next up in the heavyweight classes being a guy to consistently contend for the title. It, it you know, it gives him the right look, especially after, you know, the, the knockout he got on Chris Dawkins. That was the right call out for him. He even, you know, gave gave Miocic, who was in the crowd, some of his roses, but still let him know, I may have to walk through you one day. But until then, I want Cyril gone. That guy doesn't have a matchup right now. And that I, I love that. I absolutely love that. I like that too. He did call Stipe afterwards in the in the post-fight press conference in the media. He did say he's open to the Stipe fights and he believes now he can beat Stipe. Because apparently they trained together back in the day, and and he said it didn't go well for Curtis. Curtis said it didn't go well for him, but now he feels like now it's different. And he also so also calling Stipe is a good thing. It's a good thing considering who knows if Jones does fight. You don't know John Jones, and maybe Stipe wants to. And Stipe maybe won't be able to fight Jones. So putting his name to hat, Curtis Boyd's can. It's definitely a possibility. Calling out Stipe definitely puts himself closer to fighting for the interim heavyweight title, especially if they're going to have to make one. So it's possible like we Stipe versus um, Blades for the interim title or Blades go against Zero Gone, like he said, in the, in the cage. I, I like both fights. I think both fights are pretty good. 
and and you can in well I don't know about Zero Gone and um Curtis Blades being for the interim title, but definitely Stipe and Curtis Blades could definitely be for the interim title. So it's good call-outs from him. Most definitely, and, and that at least keeps him busy and keeps other guys busy as far as they have some choices because. As we know, uh, uh, Aspinall called out, uh, uh, he called out Taito Ivasa. So that may possibly be a date that's going to be, uh, you know, booked down the line. Stipe versus Jones is something that's being rumored, but no announcement has been made yet. And it seems like no other heavyweight is trying to get into that title matchup other than uh, uh, Curtis Blades. And because he's gotten the victory that he's gotten, he has his pick of the litter now. So congratulations to Curtis Blades on an impressive victory over Chris Dawkins. I could say that maybe, an, I, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm only surprised if you do have an Aspinall versus Blades or even a, Blades against Ty. Not that it will happen, but it wouldn't surprise me, though. What are your thoughts on that? You think I'm right, or you think... um Blades versus Aspinall? I don't know. I don't know or if Ty. that's going to happen. Uh, well, I... Nah, I don't think that's going to happen yet. I don't think that's going to happen yet. Tai Tuivasa, I mean, this guy really jumped up in the uh, uh, rankings. Yet, within the same note, we don't, uh, you know, he he hasn't really made any ambitions known yet. So, with Tai Tuivasa, I think the biggest thing right now is he has to, uh, uh, you know, they, they, I think the rankings, well, we'll, we'll wait until Monday. We'll see, uh, well, after Tuesday, actually, when the rankings start to shape their order. And we'll see like what matchup would be best for Tai Tuivasa because I think what the UFC is planning to do is take their time with him. They know that this guy is is still growing as an athlete, so you don't want to you know you don't want to rush him out there and ha- have him uh, just blow his load all in a couple of uh, within a span of um, um, a couple of months and just be a a flash in the pan. You wanna you wanna make sure that he has some staying power because. That helps the community as well. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's all about right now waiting for the rankings to shake up. And then from there, we'll see what uh, what matchups would be best for Tai Tuivasa. Because, like I said, I believe he is still growing as an athlete. Okay, well, we, we shall see. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if they do make that, those one of those fights. Although you make a good case of why you, you don't think it will happen. But um, yeah, we got. We'll see what happens next. What's next for Curtis Blades after getting this impressive victory or um, Chris Dawkins? And do you think Chris Dawkins should go down weight? Because I heard some people mention that maybe he's kind of small for the weight class. That maybe he's a what, two two a fiver, or you don't think so? Because I, cause I, cause I, I'm debating about that. Where not Dawkins? Maybe he's better at two five or. I for Dawkins. I don't think it, it's moving down weight class for him. He's, I, I think he's right at the, he, I think he's at the right weight class. It's just, you get knocked out by Derek Lewis, man. That's, that's scary. Like, and he admitted that that was a different feeling. He's never had that. So I, with Dawkins, you know, you get two losses like that in a row and it's not against slouches. It's against Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. He's got to recover. You give him a lower opponent, yet at the same time, someone enough that if he wins, he could just stay right in the ranking, and then from there, you can kind of, um, you can kind of, how do I say it? With Dawkins, you kind of just stay within the rankings, stay within the rankings, be active enough that you're not, you know, you're not falling out 
but you're fighting enough. You're not fighting the stiffest of competition. He may just need to go down and rebuild. That's really it. Some guys, you know, it, it isn't just moving out of the weight class altogether. Maybe it's a puzzle within that weight class that can be solved for this guy. He just has, hasn't had the chance to solve it yet. So I'm not even, you know, it, I, I, I wouldn't say for, for him to, you know, to to have to uh, move move out of the weight class. Yeah, I think I kind of agree with you there. Now, you, I think maybe this is maybe he needs to just fight down competition. I mean, you know, cause he's lost to Derek Lewis and Curtis Blaze, two of the top heavyweights in the world, especially the last like four or five years for those two fighters. And maybe give him someone else, you know, that's not as highly ranked as them. And maybe he gets maybe he can win a fight against them and rebound. It might be the better option rather than um <clears throat> rather than base rather than go down weight class. Nah, yeah, absolutely right. But Darkest with um Darkest, like I said. We just have to, uh, with him, it's just staying active enough. But at the same time, just give yourself some some time to recuperate and, you know, get back. And you're really, at this point, especially with the Derek Lewis fight and the Curtis Blades fight, you're watching the tape on these not to kind of, you know, to say this is what I need to be doing. But you watch these tapes to go, damn, that's where I went wrong. Now I have to learn better and move forward. But, like, with Dawkins, you don't need to move out of the weight class. Okay, yeah, I, I agree with you there. We'll see what's next for him. Hopefully it takes some time to, or some time before he fights again, just so he has to recuperate and things like that. But he considers a bad knockout, too. But, yeah, I mean, either way, great performance by Curtis Blades. Um, anything else you want to say about this fight before we move on? Nah, that's it. It was just a great fight by Curtis Blades, and with regards to Chris Dawkins, it, take your time because you're moving. He was moving extremely fast up the uh, the rankings off of a knockout on Shamil Abdurmakov. And he, Shamil Abdurmakov, as, as Curtis Blade said, he's not someone who's been highly touted or highly ranked throughout the heavyweights right now. So he, he, he's got to just take his time. That's really it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, good point from um, Blades. I guess we can move on to the Coleman event now, which was in the women's flyweight division between Alexa Grasso's and Joanne, Joanne Wood. I'm going to say Calderwood, but her name's, yeah, she, her name's not Wood. Anyway, Alexa Grasso's wins this fight via re-naked choke in the first round as we have footage here of, of, the, of the finish right now. Yeah, and this fight was decided very, very quickly. Quickly in the first round, Grasso, she's applying the pressure to call uh, to Joanne Wood. Joanne Wood really, uh, you know, it, she really did, couldn't deal with the pressure all in the first round. I noticed that throughout this event. The fighters that could provide some pressure all throughout the first round were, you know, were better for it throughout. With this, certain exceptions here and there, but all in all, fighters that were able to provide some pressure all throughout the first round were able to convincingly win their first round and, and have their uh, have the opponent on the back foot and just really distracted them and, and just threw them off their game. So that's what Alexa Grasso was able to do with the striking. Then they go into a clinch. It, you know, you know, escalates more so into uh, some grappling game. And she quickly got the back of Joanne Wood and then there got into the rear naked choke and just it. It was just a completely dominant victory. There's not much more to say with that. Lexa Grasso, as we uh, stated uh, last week, 
she is making she's made herself known to be a contender in this division and with a victory like that how could you not want her to be a contender i agree i the last statement right there and um this was a, a probably alexa grasso's in, in her biggest fight of her career in this is our second co-main events uh, you know this co-main event's a little bit bigger concerns on espn and especially now being from the crowd again but but her biggest fight of her career, she goes out and finish and gets a submission victory. The first of her career, too. Stopped her opponent. I mean, this is, this is you know, a great victory for her. It makes her closer to the title fight, considering this division's not exactly deep. And she's won three in a row in this weight class. This seems to be her natural weight class, because she used to struggle making 115 sometimes. And she, she seems to find her home here as she's won three in a row. And I got to give her credit, considering she she probably a lot of pressure oh looks like we lost chef dan for the moment uh he'll be back shortly he's internet internet messing up technical difficulties it happens but um yeah let me um, just continue breaking down this fight Alexa grass has applied a lot of pressure on joanne wood and there was a point where she did take down joanne wood in the first round but wood was able to get up despite despite getting taken down and grass was looked like the more cleaner striker of the two and especially since Grasso does have a boxing background and, and she is from Mexico, you know, Mexicans, you know, do have great boxing. Is the reason why there's so many great Mexican boxers throughout the years. And she looked like a better striker. And, you know, Joanne had her moments in the clinch and some striking exchanges and Chef Dan's backs. Yeah. Uh, go, I continue going. Okay. Yes. Uh, what was it? Oh yeah. It would have her moments in the clinches, but Grasso looked like the better striker of the two. And then Joanne went for a spinning, you know, spinning attack, and you know, and Grass was able to, you know, turn that into a takedown and apply the rear naked choke. And once she got in the rear naked, once she got um, Joanne Wood's back, it was basically, it was basically over for Joanne Wood as Grass was able to apply the rear naked choke and he would switch hands too for, to it to apply it and make um, Joanne Wood tap. And this was a great performance for Grasso's three in a row now, and and, and now she's. Based, in my opinion, one more fight from a title fight against Valentina Shenko. In my opinion, I feel like all she needs to do is win one more fight and she can get a title fight against Valentina. It could be, but then again, what I could see happening is if Valentina comes out of that Talia Santos fight very dominant, she could she could just say, you know what, bring the next one up. Grasso's next. And Grasso may not even need to book another fight. Because it's all incumbent on what happens during that matchup. But if I am Alexa Grasso, like you said, I, I, the one more matchup is security is a security blanket for me. So I am looking to work to do that as far as like I'm trying to book me one more matchup to get, you know, within the top five just to make that statement, make that name. And I believe she called out a, a, a Caitlin Chukagian. Yes, but the, the, I, the thing is, Kenshi Coogan, I was looking up last night. Um, oh, excuse me. I, it says she has a fight with Amanda Hebos in May. The Hebos going up the weight class. So maybe she, she called out that matchup knowing that Caitlyn had a fight and that, well, she's like, well, damn, I, I, I had a call out for top five. I was waiting, but, you know, this person has a matchup, so I can only wait for the title shot. I, I mean, pull a, um, man, what is this girl's name that's going to fight Rose Namajunas? Carla Esparza? Car pull a Carla Esparza and just say, you know what? I'm going to wait for my shot. 
Because if Carla got it her got it her way like that, why can't you? Especially well, after a dominant victory like that. Well, Carla does does have a victory with Rose. She was the first strawweight champion. She has that going in her favor. Those two things which Alexa does not have. So another victory with Valentina was never the champion. Then that's then there's a little difference there. Uh, Jedi, this isn't a. Uh, excuse me. I'm sorry, <laughs> Austin. This isn't a what you've done in the past. It's what you've done for me lately. That's why she sounded so ridiculous as she did uh, uh, when she said, "I'm just gonna wait for Rose." Even Dana White came up on the podium and said, <laughs> "Wait, keep waiting." Then, but then Rose finished her job sooner and then said, "You know what? I want the fight anyways." And her being the champion made that call out. So, as much as you know, you want to, you know, like it, it she, it. If she feels like she can wait and get it done because Valentina has no one else to fight except for her, she can leverage that. It's all about what you can leverage along with the performances you just recently had. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't call it that ridiculous concerning the history and it does play somewhat apart, but I mean, and, but um, I don't think Grasso's has that at all. Not, I mean... I understand she wasn't a co-main event. I think she the reason why her her fight was is because she's from Mexico and the UFC for a long time has been trying to get in the Mexican markets. And if and in my opinion, this like, this could be all you know BS. This is my theory. She you know and finally that Bram Marino is a champion and finally trying to capitalize on the market in Mexico, which the UFC for years has been trying to get into. So even recently, finally started getting a hole in it. So I mean, maybe I mean I can see why this fight was in the co-main events, and maybe that might that might be some leverage. Even Van don't think so. I don't buy I it. I wish. I mean, I wish I could say that is a leverage for her, but the dominant victory she had against Joanne Wood kind of makes it seem like you don't need to you don't need to make an effort to push this girl really. Just put her in the right spot against the right opponent. And she'll hand you a victory. And with the UFC fans, man, they, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these women fighters, we don't know the story behind them. But if you put up a good enough performance, enough of the fans will just get behind you because they think, you know, you will. They think nine times out of ten, you're gonna put out that same level of performance again. And so with Alexa Grasso, I don't think it's more so of you know she's Mexican. I mean, it helps. It definitely helps because that could most definitely be a title matchup that she can get in her hometown against Valentina down the line, hopefully. But I, it doesn't. For me personally, watching the way she 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 fights it, you don't need a you don't need a reason to push her. She gives you a reason to push her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was gonna ask. You think maybe I was gonna. Early in the prelims, there was a, another women's um, flyweight fight between just Jennifer Maya and Marion uh, Fiont. Uh, I believe that's some saying her last name correct. Was that in the preliminaries or? Yes. Uh, no, that it was in the prelim. Yes, it was the main card of the preliminaries. That fight happened as well. Um, that was Fionn a very won. good fight. Fiora Manon Fiora won that fight. I know we're jumping right now from main card to preliminary, but. Uh, with you know staying within the same guys of that that, that weight class, Manon Fior did win that fight. Uh, Jennifer Meyer was 
you know, they both put on ex uh, very impressive performances. Manon Fuhr able to get Jennifer Maya on the ground as much as she wanted to with those hip tosses, those judo throws that she had. And I'm not going to lie, a lot of, um, just a side note, a lot of UFC fighters recently, I don't know what has been going on, but they have been working on their judo a lot. And they've been able to get those hip tosses like crazy. And it really started off with, um, for me, I think it, it really started off with uh, with Francis Ngannou getting the hip toss on Cyril Gan earlier in the year. So now everyone is going for that. And they're having fun going for that. See Patty doing that with his uh, opponent. Now you see that happening with Manon Fior. And a couple of guys were able to do that all throughout this event. But uh, Manon Fior and Jennifer Maya did put up great performances. It was all, all in all great performances for those two as well. Manon Fior was able to get the victory. I, 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 that, yeah, that was all. Uh, that was a great fight. And maybe Manon Fior is another name to come up in the division as far as uh, a possible uh, contender. But I don't think she's ready yet. No, I don't think so either. But I was thinking um, Fior, I believe it's ranked number 13 at the moment. Maya was ranked 9. Let me check the rankings. I do, Fior was ranked number 13. Jennifer Maya was ranked number 4. So, you know, she's going to get um, jumped. She's gonna jump up the rankings on um, Fion. And Grasses, I assume, would definitely jump up the rankings. At least take John Woods number seven spot. Then it's possible that those two women could possibly fight each other next. And somewhat tie eliminator. It, it could be. Like it That's why I as bring much it up, as you though. want because as much as you want um you want Valentina's next opponent. More so than that, you, the biggest uh, the biggest problem I think for that division is the fact that Valentina has run through all those opponents within the top five. You have to cycle out the top five, and it's not something. I think it's something that uh, Dana White is going to probably have to do inorganically in the sense of he's probably going to have to you know when when a fighter wins a certain fight, probably going to boost them up a, a ranking that they don't you know jump them up in the rankings that some people feel like whoa i don't understand why this person jumped so high up in the rankings and it's just part of the business of cleaning out that top five fighters who who don't have it anymore you move on from them fighters who still have a chance to you know be in the division and contain that title and 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 do something with it you you know you keep those around but all in all you're absolutely right i think this is um what we're heading into now is a cleaning out of the top five in that division yeah, possibly. But also, I can see those two women maybe fight each other as well, and winner can get the Valentina next, also. Or maybe you can have them fight. You know, maybe someone else in the top five, like Andrade, or well, actually, I think Andrade has a fight. I think at the moment, I believe she does. Could be wrong, or maybe someone else in the top ten, like Adria, Adria KGB Lee, Andrea. Uh, yeah, there, there's multiple. Um... Uh, there's multiple opportunities for her, but uh, we I, I, there's still fights being announced to this day, so I don't I don't really remember off the top of my head if uh, Andrade has a fight book. Uh, we're gonna look through it, and we're possibly you know release some more video throughout the week of who these possible fights should be. But uh, yeah, I, there's possible title eliminators here, and all in all, it, it I, I'm I'm just gonna keep going back to it. it it's all about cleaning out that top five. Really got to clean out the top five. Right, you want you want some plus it's for Valentina. You want to get people to just want to watch her next fights to really, uh, excuse me, to really build the interest. You want someone that she hasn't already dominated, someone that's new that you believe can ha has a shot, or someone's been in a row. We go, okay, they deserve to fight Valentina. It helps it out. It helps it 
it helps out more interest for her fights too. Oh, there's interest anyway because people like seeing Valentina, like you and I. Yeah. That's how damn how, that's how damn good she is. Yeah, because she's very dominant as a fighter. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, uh, can't, can't wait for June to see her fight against Talia Santos. I'm excited for that. Most definitely. I mean, with that being said, I know we jumped around the card, but we could go from that uh, the co-main event to this fight that happened uh, uh, just before the co-main event. This was a split decision. Brian Barbarina versus Matt Brown in the welterweight division. Brian Barbarina wins this one via split decision. And um, this was a very, very gritty fight. It was. This is just a very gritty fight. The way uh, uh, Matt, the way Brian Barbarina came out, the way Matt Brown came out, this was just so bloody. Uh, both guys, this wasn't a, a contest of skill. This truly wasn't a contest of skill. It's just two guys there that I, I, I really, I think it devolved that way halfway through the first round. Both guys decided, I want to get as close to this person as possible, and I want to inflict as much pain as possible. And that's what both of these guys' intentions were. And when you run into a matchup like that, you don't, you're not critiquing it much. You're sitting there and enjoying it. You sit there and enjoy. You just enjoy it. And whatever show they put up for you, that's what you do. Yeah. And so with that, like that, like uh, with that being said, Brian Barberina definitely put up a great fight. It, it, you know, Matt Brown, he was the hometown kid. You saw it that the crowd did not like it when he lost. Um, man, the only thing I could say in regards to Matt Brown, maybe the conditioning wasn't done right for this for this fight because he was excuse me he was gassed after the first round he was gassed i think throughout the first round period but he was matt brown was gassed after the first round and he was throwing on fumes he was just throwing on fumes matt, that, that's yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead no finish your point i'm sorry now i was saying matt brown was throwing on fumes he was completely gassed Brian Barberina, being the fresher fighter, was able to kind of finish this out. And they were both just landing haymakers. And, it, man, if there was ever a fight where you wanted to see elbows being thrown viciously, uh, uh, two opponents throwing their elbows at each other, this was the fight to see. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. They both threw a lot of elbows, Barberina and um, Matt Brown, in a clinch, especially in the second and third round. And Matt Brown, we know, I've seen several fights where Matt Brown has knocked dudes out or... or, or or hurt people badly with elbows. And I believe, if I'm mistaken, I think it was an elbow that hurt Matt Brown in the second round, if I'm mistaken. Yes, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, and that that really hurt Matt Brown. It took a while for Matt Brown to like recover from that, especially in the, it took like the third, beginning of the third round, because you can tell for the rest of the second round, he was wobbling, it was hurt badly by the elbow from Barbarina. This was like excellent fight. I mean, this was fight of the night, deserved it. The crowd was really into it, obviously, because Matt Brown's from Columbus, Ohio, but also just an entertaining fight. I mean, it was just back and forth. I mean, Matt Brown with the foot sweeps in the first round, taking Barberina down on him. And, you know, I think the grappling maybe made him exhausted. I think that was part part of it, but also I think maybe the pace, but or, but maybe or maybe the condition just wasn't there as well. As well. I feel like it was a combination of things. It, it could have been, but at the same time, I don't know if the um, 
I don't know if the wrestling was really that bad for him because if he didn't wrestle Brian Barberina in the first round, he wouldn't have won it. I yeah. think my, Matt Brown won that first round, but the reason why he was able to win it was because he was able to get all those uh, those sweeps on Brian Barberina. Going right back to that judo, man. These guys were able to get some judo sweeps, and it, it felt annoying. And Brian Barberina even went back to his corner and just called it those effing annoying sweeps that he uh, Matt Brown kept getting. But he landed like two or three of them in the first round and landed two more in the second round. Like, it was just... It was easier for him, uh, you know, getting that, and I, that's what I, that's what I think made the matchup so uh, uh, so even for Matt Brown. And the the wrestling was also I didn't have an issue with it for Matt Brown because the wrestling I think plays well into what Matt Brown wants to do in getting into the clinch and throwing all those vicious shots that he wants to. Yeah, and yeah, but I think, but I feel like they're, but. Either way, Matt Brown gain is you know gain a little more gas. I think that that definitely hurt him. I believe that's what cost him the fights in the judges' eyes. Was that Barbarino was more fresher, he was able to do more. Although Matt Brown, even the third round, was still landing some shots at Barbarino, still rocking him. They were rocking each other. I mean, that third round, especially the end, was just fun to watch. It was, this was just a fun fight to watch. I mean, I mean, Bar it was close. It was back and forth. I mean, I heard people debating who they thought won the fight. But either way. It's one of those fights where it's so close that you you can accept where it wins because how close it was with these two, and it was it was very like I said they gave us an entertaining fight and give a shout out both of them for entertaining us. Yeah, most definitely. I, I I'd like to thank those two, Brian Barberina. I know he got booed by the crowd, but he uh, started to win them over after letting them know that he was just like those Ohio people, blue collar guy. He's gonna head back to his farm. He's going to, you know, take care of his apple trees and his apple orchid and all that and just get back to working out. And that, you love you love hearing that about a guy, a guy who's, you know, just blue collar. He's not nothing too fancy. He's not high maintenance. And that's the way he fought. He fought like a gritty, tough warrior, a fighter. Both fighters put on a great, gritty performance. And I, that I just loved it. Thank you guys so much for that performance. And I want to see more of Brian Barberina. I definitely do. And because of the way he went up against Matt Brown, like that, that's just, that lets you know this guy has something in him. Yep. I wish I had or Apple Orchard. I mean, shout out to him. Hey, he gets the freshest apple juice in the land. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so with that being said, we can move on from that fight, head into this one. This is, um, this might be a bit controversial here. Okay. This might be a bit controversial, ladies and gentlemen. We're heading into the flyweight division. Kai Kata Friends versus Askar Askarov. Kai Kata Friends wins this fight after it goes to the judges' table via unanimous decision. I don't know if I agree with it being unanimous. I, To me, I agree that Kai Kata France won. I don't know if it was unanimous. What do you say to that, Austin? It was close. This was like the um, Brown and um, Barbarina fight where both guys had a case for them getting the victory in this fight. Excuse me, in this fight. I mean, the first round, just like, the first one, just like Matt Brown, 
um, Askar Askarov won, and it was due to like grappling. Oh, his grappling was different than Matt Brown's. Matt, you know, there was no foot sweeps with Askar Askarov. It was more so getting a hold of him. You know, you know, you know, um, Kaikara France had great scrambling skills. He was able to lock a body triangle and then get like a on, on um, Kaikara France a standing triangle and then like try to go for a naked choke. Although Kaikara France did a good job of tucking his chin and finding the hands. Although there were some moments, like brief moments, where Askar Askarov looked like he had a choke, but but the, you know, despite the chin being tucked. But yeah, I mean, Kai won. I mean, Asker won the fight there. I mean, the round there. It, it's this. This was very close because the second round, I, I bet you and I both think Kai won, right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I just Kai did a better job, like scrambling, you know, in terms of, like defending takedowns and land more and look more fresh in that second round too. It's just there was oh man I just I don't want to take away from from what Askar Askarov did because he was highly impressive all throughout this fight. There was even a moment, ladies and gentlemen. You got oh man, I wish I could find it. There was a moment for this Askar Askarov fight where he he's fighting with uh, um with Kai Kata friends along the cage, right? Right. He's really fighting along with him, and then you get you know you. you He's trying to get the choke, but Kai Kata France makes sure he has his back along the cage to not, you know, not give up anything. Asker Askarov, ladies and gentlemen, he puts up his two feet along the cage yes. while holding on to Kai Kata France. Kicks off the cage with Kai Kata France and deadlocks in the body triangle. So he kicked off the cage to get the body triangle. That was, that was gangster. That was pretty cool, lot. That was gangster. That ah, uh, I forget what round that was, but that was very impressive, guys. You don't see. I don't think I've seen many fights where a guy uses a cage to get a body triangle, or like a record show while standing, or get a submission like that. That's just, that's that's very impressive. That's some, that's something. Goes, oh damn! Like what? That is very gangster of um, Asker Askarov. Like you mentioned that. Just- it was just so gangster. Like it was, I like it was something I had to make a mental note of watching that. Like because that was so crazy. It was like that was crazy. I didn't. I don't expect to see something like that. No. Like that well, was crazy. That was that was pretty impressive by Askar Askarov. Not easy to do, and he did. I mean, that was, I mean, that was pretty remarkable. The, I mean, this fight, I mean, the thing is, this fight, the reason why I think this fight is controversial is because Askar Askarov did, I mean, yeah, he did control, um, you know, he, he, he was, he was somewhat controlling, um, Kaikara France in the third round. I think he got one takedown, maybe, but, you know, Kai did get up. It's that Kai landed more shots, and I think maybe the, the shots that Kai landed may have swayed the judges to him and why he got the victory. I think um, that's why. You agree with not me, for, No, I agree with you 100%. And I think the biggest thing for Asker Askarov, and now that you're saying it, but there was something else that just came to my mind as he said this. How many submissions did he cinch in on Kai Kata France? Maybe one. He went for it, but didn't really cinch like, at all. That's the uh, like, did he lock it in and Kai Kata France was hurt? Maybe, yes, you're right. At the end of the first round, 
At the end of the first round, he was very, very close to getting the rear naked choke, but it didn't get it. So now, if you want to compare, right, the grappling to striking as far as, like, when you make your attempts. Let's say the, the, the chokes or the submissions are your significant strikes. How many significant strikes were thrown for Askar Askarov and how many did he truly land? Not a lot. None. I, one, he landed one, which was a choke that didn't land because Kai Kata French was still awake and still able to, you know, move through. But when you have, like, I, oh man, when you, when you, when you do all those submission attempts and you don't even, like, like, you don't, you're not really, the most you can do is have control over a guy, but even then, it's limited control because Kai Kata France, he can still back you up a little and turn it into his kind of fight, but then right after that, you can kind of, you're, you're playing the, the chess match. I couldn't, you couldn't reward Asker Askarov for control time. Especially when Kai Kata France was able to, you know, strike for as much as he did, and he looked as good as he did. I want to liken this to really, um, man, what was that fight that just happened on the uh, UFC London card? Uh, what was it prelim? I don't know. I'm trying to it wasn't a preliminary. It was in the main card where Gunnar uh, Nelson. Uh, Gunnar Nelson. Okay. Nelson, you remember it. Gunnar Nelson is going for all those rear naked chokes. Now, can his opponent, is he getting his opponent in the rear naked choke? No. But could his opponent have done anything to stop Gunnar Nelson from getting those rear naked chokes? No. 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 So now at that point, the guy, he doesn't have, he's not striking with Gunnar Nelson at all. Or not even making Gunnar Nelson rethink his approach. Gunnar Nelson is just taking him down whenever he wants. He's getting his back whenever he wants. He just can't lock in the rear naked choke. The only thing that was going on throughout that fight was control time. Versus Asker Askarov, and I know he was highly disappointed in the result that he got but bro you the only thing you did was control kai kata france for large portions of the matchup on the ground but you weren't striking him while you were on the ground you weren't trying to go for ground and pound it was strictly chokes and i it was strictly submissions and i could appreciate him trying to finish the fight it's just that he may not have went about it in the smartest way yeah i agree and i think that cost him. i think he's gonna I think maybe if he watches back, his team watches back, they'll realize the mistake. Hopefully, and hopefully learn from it. You know, in order not to, in order not to make the same mistake. Because coming to this fight, Asker Askarov had narrow loss. He had one draw, but he was 14-0 and one. And now, unfortunately, he has his first loss of his career. And for Kai Kai France, it was a big victory. Not only because he was Asker Askarov was the number two guy in the world in the flyweight division, but because he took the he took his unbeaten streak, and this was a possible title eliminator. I mean, Astro Askarov might have potentially sealed a title fight between Davis and Figueredo, or if Figueredo and Brandon Moreno do run that back for a, for a final time, sell that once and for all. Because it's because, been booked. It is. <laughs> Moreno versus Figueredo four is booked. I did not know that. That's breaking news to me. You just broke the news to me. Oh, uh, yeah, it's been booked, but uh, after the fight, it seems that Figueredo was kind of putting it out there on Twitter that maybe he doesn't want to fight Moreno anymore and that he wants to fight Kai Kata friends. To me, man, it, uh, like, you, you, you better finish your, finish, finish your plate in front of you. I agree. I, I, I saw something about um, Kai said he'll be a backup 
he wants to be a backup for that fight. But I didn't, I didn't know it was May. I thought maybe it, it, it works. But Kai mentioned he wants to be like the backup fighter for that fight. But I guess I guess and I just learned May. All right. For that. Yeah, the flyweight division is working fast, buddy. They're trying to get this settled right now, right quick. Especially when you have a a matchup like these, like uh, between Moreno and Figueredo, like four title fights between them. I know it's crazy. All four title fights. That's... Four title fights between them. You and and this, this, oh, man. You're just never gonna get something good like this ever again. So, you gotta you gotta take care of this. They have to. I agree. I mean, that exactly. So these are all four fights. All three fights have been compelling for different reasons, too. So, yeah. But all in all, salute to Kai Kata France for getting this victory and such a decisive win. And he really needed it because he has been shouting from you know the, shouting to whoever could hear him that he wants. The next title shot he believes he deserves it and he has been putting in the work to let it be known that he truly deserves it so salute to him putting on a great performance like Kelvin t jones says in the chat right there his chin tuck was great and his hand placement for defense was excellent throughout the matchup and that's how he was able to keep you know out of the chokes of asker askarov and was able to you know uh solidify the win via unanimous decision so that was all in all just an excellent matchup for Kai Kata France. Um, we know what's next for him. Ask Askarov, for me personally, man, I know who his next opponent should be. It's either between Brandon Royval or Alexandra Pantoja. And let's, let's make some noise. Let's make some noise again. Let's get back on the horse because you're deservedly a guy that's that's you're gonna be you're gonna hold that title soon enough. Yeah. He's, he's, he's an ex yes, I, I think he will. He seems like another example of another Dagestani coming in and doing work in this in his weight class. That's what it seems like Askarov, despite this, this recent setback. That was very close, but still. But all in all, a great fight by these two flyweights. Great fight. And we can move on from this fight over to the next fight on the main card. This one. You and me both had a discussion here. and We thought that this fight was going to be something, man. Or maybe even there was a certain point where one of the fights could have possibly been swapped out or, uh, you know, for this fight. Maybe the Matt Brown fight could have gone in the um, preliminaries for this fight. But all in all, I, I me personally, I'm going to say this right now. This fight from the beginning on saved the card for me. I'm going to get into the rest of it. But for me, this fight on saved the card for me. The fight I'm talking about is in the welterweight division. Neil Magny versus Max Payne Griffin. This fight was... You see it, ladies and gentlemen. You saw that. Pile freaking driver. Not, not a slam. Pile driver. Pile driver, power bomb. Laka. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I like, there's not much else to say to that, but... Neil Magny versus Max Payne Griffin... I describe this as a classic fight to me. This was a classic. This was a classic to me. What What did you think, Austin? A very, uh, man, very, very good fight. A really good fight. I mean, I mean, I thought um, it was close too. This was all three. 
well not all three excuse me the three the last three fights on this card that went to the decision were all close fights that some make our that you can make an argument the other guy won potentially and this fight wasn't started at all and this and give credit to neil magny neil magny's tough he's been consistently top 10 for years in the welterweight rank division he's never i mean only the elite the elite have ever been uh, neil magny and and that there and neil magny as the fight goes on he tends he tends to do very well considering he's got pretty good conditioning and seemed like that was the case here it seemed like neil magny as the fight kept going you know was able to impose his will into his fights and then dirt in the dirt around those that power driver which is i mean i just love i mean that's just incredible and the and i'm thinking of yeah i mean there it is i mean this is just great for, for a takedown they reversed it i mean damn <laughs> i love that i love that that's that's, that's awesome to see awesome and the, this good victory for Neil stays ranked, stays in the rankings in the top 10, considering Max Griffin had won three in a row. Look like if Max Griffin would have won, would have put himself in the rankings. I mean, this was a good, entertaining fight. And shout out to him. And, shout, and he got a new nickname, the Haitian Sensation. Did I know he was Haitian? Nah, he's been. Oh, no. I found out about that nickname when he fought uh, Michael Chiesa because I was rooting for him blindly. I was like, oh, come on, please. Please just beat Michael Chiesa. That way our people can win. Cause like I said, my boule, I'm here, but huh? I know from Brooklyn. I know that too. Yeah. But I I you know, I needed the Haitian sensation to win that one. But um, yeah, uh, this was a great fight by Neil Magny. Great, great fight. The way he just kept coming along. And I don't want to take anything away from Max Payne Griffin. We can't because like you said, Max was looking like he was gonna be a, a, a ranked fighter in the division with the way he started off the fight great first round for for, for max griffin he uh, to me i think he convincingly won that round he was able to get a, a a knockdown on neil magny he wasn't able to capitalize on the knockdown but excuse me he had neil magny dazed and confused he really took control of that first round to me and neil magny looked you know worse for the wear after that first round i didn't know how he was able gonna cut how he was going to be able to come back because uh, Max Payne Griffin was just providing Neil Magny with this awkward type of movement, like with this, with the stand-up stance. Like I noticed with his right hand, he just kept throwing it up here, just with it, with the right hand, just throwing it up. And then just his movement side to side was very, very just unique. So that one was something that Neil Magny had to learn to deal with. And the best way he learned to deal with that is just walk through it make put max paint max griffin on the back foot and that'll you know give you better chances and that's what he started to do he started to throw with more volume more accuracy so now when him and max uh, max griffin are throwing at the same time magni being the uh the fighter with the longer wingspan he's catching him even if there's a simultaneous catch sometimes he's catching him first and his punches look way more flush in that second round you know, we get into a tussle. They get, you know, throwing haymakers at each other. And then you end off the second round with, uh, you know, with uh, this. No, excuse me. That was in the third round. But, you, you know, the second round also ended in a flurry as well. Then you go into the third round and bo both of them just decided. They looked at each other, pointed right at the middle of the octagon and said, that's where we finish it. And that's what they did and decided to do. And they went for it. I also got to credit Neil Magny in the middle of the second round, too, because 
I, I like the wrestling, the way he mixed in his wrestling, it truly helped him. And if he didn't mix that in, I don't think he would have won this fight. Neil Magny, man, showing just the excellent, excellent repertoire of moves. He went on to tie, was it tie or surpass GSP for most wins in welterweight division? I think it was tie. I believe he tied um he tied GSP and he surpassed GSP for most time spent in the octagon as a welterweight. And then to cap it all off after you break all these wonderful records, he grabs the mic from DC and says, "Hamzat Shemayev, you're next." I love it. Even I love yeah. it. He's been trying. He's been calling out um, Shamaya for a while, for a while, ever since Shamaya has burst into the scene and got all the hype in 2020. And I don't know why they never made that fight. So it's so weird considering Neil was one of the few guys that was that won Shamaya for where some other guys were ducking him. But Shamaya's got a bigger fight now against Gilbert Burns, and if he beats Gilbert Burns, I mean, I, I would love to see those two fight, but. I, don't, I mean, I like the call out. I love the call out because I, I did want to see Chemayev and um, Magni, but I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to get it, though. Even, even if um, Chemayev wins. I mean, it, 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 it is what it is, but Neil Magni is definitely what I can say and what I can appreciate with what Neil Magni has done is he's made, he's put himself in that position where he's calling out the guy that no one wants to fight. Yeah. He had a very impressive victory against Max Payne Griffin. You deserve something for that. I don't know what it is, but you deserve something good for that. He does. Maybe it's a cold main event. Maybe it's a main event on a fight night. Who knows? But Neil Magny deserves something good for that. And that's what I'm looking for. Dana, treat this man right. He just did you a favor, put on a great show for you, saved this card in my opinion. But yeah, he deserves something good. And I'm looking forward to what happens next for Neil Magny. We don't know what's next. Because like you said, I don't know if he can get that Hamzat Shamaya fight. But um that was a that was a great call out and great performance by Neil Magny. He deserves something big. This is his fifth victory of his last six fights. The only loss was the Kiesa fight back in January of last year. I mean, he does deserve something. Hopefully, he gets something because he does. You know, he they they should reward it. I mean, he say you know Neil Magny's always been a pretty entertaining fighter. He's got like a decent amount. He's always been a pretty entertaining fighter, despite um despite the lack of finishes. He's always the fights are never boring. Neil Magny is pretty damn good, and he, he saved the card. He put a great performance, great call out. Hopefully, it's some some interesting fight in the top ten, where it be co-main event, you said, or main event or main card. I don't know if he's uh, did he fight him yet, but this might be interesting. Neil Magny versus Wonder Boy. Think um, our Wonder Boy is coming off of a loss. No, they've never fought. Surprisingly, no, they. I'm looking right now. They've never fought. I agree. That I like looks that. like your fight night, baby. I like that idea. The opposite: it's grappler and freaking Magny against the karate against the karate kickboxer and freaking Wonder Boy. Love that idea. Hit it. Nailed it, Dan. Clap to you. You nailed it. That's a good idea. Thank you. I, I think I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a Sean Shelby myself, if I say so. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And you Nick know. Maynard. Yeah. Yeah, Mick, 
Yeah, he, you know, he, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a great, that great fight by Neil Magny and Max Griffin. Max Griffin, I, I, this shouldn't deter Max Griffin. No. You fought a game, Neil Magny, bro. This guy is. You you just got to get back get back on the horse and and, and you know, uh, Max Griffin he. There wasn't any one thing that he was, you know, bad at all throughout this fight. It was just Neil Magny was more game than him. He just had more experience in the ring. So he knew what to do when Max Griffin was presenting him something else. This is something where I believe with Max Griffin, you just watch the tape. You learn what you can learn. And then you say, I got to get back on the horse. And if they if they want to hand me an unranked opponent to kind of have this guy build his stock off of me. That's fine. I'm putting out lights, and that's what he should be doing there. I agree, definitely. I agree with that. And and would, can we see what next, what's next for Max? Yeah, most definitely. But we can, you know, end that off right there and get on to the first fight on the main card. Uh, this fight, excuse Mark the Cassidy against um, Borshev. I. I Sorry, I got gas. That's uh, okay. I, I forgot how to. It's Mark. The Cassie? Not. The man. I, I I really I was pronouncing his last name all yesterday, and now I don't know how to pronounce the the Cassie. The Cassie is the Cassie. The All right, Mark the Cassie versus Vyacheslav. Borshev, Mark right. Dikesi wins this fight via unanimous decision. It, it, this goes all the way to the judges. Uh, this this goes all the way to the judges' hands. And um, Mark Dikesi, man, for 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 two fighters, this is um this is one of the fights that started off the the, the evening bad for me because, granted, Mark Dikesi fought a smart fight. I'm not mad at him for fighting the smart fight, but if it's gonna be the smart fight. Can you entertain me a little bit? Because both of these guys are known to be strikers. Mark DeKessie flips it, flips the whole card on its head. He's initiating grappling That's the entire problem. time and controlling the grappling exchanges. Uh, uh, throwing in some, some ground and pound here and there, trying to get submissions here and there. But all in all, it is strictly just grappling for for mark the i never saw that coming from him he did it with you know complete control of of vishlev borshev completely all throughout the three rounds there was nothing uh borshev could do to stop mark the from controlling him all throughout mark the was just a better fighter all throughout this this fight it was a dominant victory for him but it wasn't exciting I, I will yeah. I will let you guys know that right now. It was not exciting. Though kudos to Mark Dikesi letting us know he had enough energy after that fight to, to fight even uh, more so later on in that fight. If you wanted to book him for another fight on the same card, he had the energy to do so. But um yeah, this was not an exciting fight. And I think this is the last non-exciting fight I needed to see all throughout the evening. Uh, what not, were your thoughts on this? Not exciting. It really wasn't. 
Cassie dominated the gra wrestling and grappling, just dominated there. I mean, I was surprised me because I didn't expect that from Martha Kessie for people to do that and just continue doing that. But you got the job done, got him the victory. I just wish you could have done more. If you're going to strike the, strike the smart fight, can you at least entertain, at least do more, at least so do some ground and pound with something? I mean, I mean that's all I ask. I mean, uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, good, I mean, you did the right thing. You got the victory. Good, you know, which, which, you, which is what you want. So he, he accomplished his goal. And yeah, that's all I got to say. Yeah. And if that's I'm I'm done with that, we can get right into the preliminaries. You're to me personally in the preliminaries. We already spoke about uh, um, excuse me, in the preliminaries, Manon Fior versus uh, uh Manon Fior versus uh, Jennifer Maya. That was very good fight. Uh, salute to those two ladies for putting on a great fight. Uh, there may have been one more fight. Oh yes, Chris Gutierrez. Versus Bakhtaral Dan uh, Donna, cause salute to Chris Gutierrez, man. That was an impressive TKO. The spinning backfist, just just got it in the middle of the second round. Like it was very very impressive spinning backfist for Chris Gutierrez. And also, uh, uh I, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Give me one moment. I'm going to try it. Give me one moment. Okay. Elayashab Krisharev versus Dennis Talulin. Elayashab uh, uh, wins this fight via rear naked choke in the second round. This is a very impressive finish for um, Elayashab. It was very, very good. It, yeah, it was. Um... As he just quickly gets uh, uh, Talulin in the... In the um, Rear naked choke, and you're gonna see, ladies and gentlemen, Talulin goes to sleep here. He went night night. Yeah, he did. Elisha. Get this man some warm. No, you know what? Don't even get him some warm milk. He's already asleep. You get him a pillow and a blanket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shab, great performance for him. He's undefeated too. I believe he's undefeated. I think he was 14 or 15 after this fight. I saw the interaction. He had a Bisping. If he was commenting for the U UFC that night, he was he was saying he was pointing <laughs> at him like I, don't, I forgot. Like I guess I wanted to not, like jokingly want to fight him or something. He wants like, to fight Bisping in DC because he was mad at uh, you know he asked Bisping. Uh, no, no, no. I think he asked DC, "Why'd you put me on this part on the card?" He said, "I only work here." Ask Bisping. So now, <laughs> he's got a war. With DC and Bisping, I love it. I love it. I remember he, was, he, he wanted to. I forgot he was calling. He he, he wanted to fight to top contenders and stuff like that. Or something like that. I heard. I believe I could be wrong, but I like the Bisping exchange. Like Bisping retire, man. He you no know, champion anymore. Yeah, Bis, Bisping Bisping's done. He's the old man is blind in one eye and he's done, bro. He don't even he want nothing to do with any of this. Oh, but that was a great entertaining matchup in the preliminaries. The only of a few highlights in the preliminaries. I just want to get this over with. We tell you guys all the time to watch the preliminaries because there you can, you know, get your, your you know, your new stars of the show. This preliminaries was a complete dud to me. It did not help anyone at all. Truly didn't help anyone at all. This is terrible preliminaries for me. Uh yeah, that's 
It's not like the London one from last week. I mean, at you know, London, where the preliminaries were pretty epic, and then the whole car was epic. It's not the case of Columbus, unfortunately. Oh, the main car was pretty good. I'll give that. The main car of the show was actually not bad. That's you. It was all terrible to me. Chris Gutierrez and 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 I like. Damn it! How do I say his name again? Aliyah Shab, I think. Aliyah Shab. Yes, Aliyah Shab. That sounds smoother. We're gonna go with that. Aliyah Shab and Chris Gutierrez and Manon Fior and Jennifer Maya. Those four fighters. Thank you for saving the preliminaries and giving some form of excitement and entertainment. But all in all. Everyone else on the preliminaries, I'd rather not remember your names. Completely boring fights. It was one fight in the like somewhere in the preliminaries. Do you remember this? They spent the entirety of the one of the first round. These two fighters are taking pictures of each other essentially. They're just walking around, they're just, just dancing around each other like this. They only waited until the two and a half minute mark to start throwing. They waited until two and a half minutes to throw fates at each other. Uh, no, I, I didn't. I don't know, but which I knew. So this, I mean, that that deserves to be criticized. I mean, what, I mean like, like the, really? How, how and the, it was the crowd must have been booing their ass. Similar language, dude. The and it was crazy. Is it was wonderful that Bisping was right there because now you have DC asking Bisping is like, hey, maybe you know. Maybe the crowd over here is a little more restless than the crowd over in UK, right, Bisping? And Bisping goes, yeah, um, no, these two guys are just dancing around and they're, you know, just taking pictures of each other. Like, I'm, I would be with this crowd, too. I'd be booing. Throw a punch already. Just get it on already. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here? Doing, yeah, what are they doing? They just... Oh, God, that sounds awful. What, awful. I mean, seriously, they're just standing around doing nothing. Just that, that pose. I'm sorry, they weren't standing around doing anything. They were circling around each other. But then it's like, uh, you know, uh, jab step. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He jab stepping me. We don't know what could happen here. More jab stepping. Jab step, jab step. It's like jab step, like jab step. It's like it's like Ingano, no. Lewis, level. No. This was way worse than that. What? Because at least you know those two were going to throw some fire at each other at some point. These guys were, you know, and, 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 and they wait until the minute mark and the crowd is booing them voraciously. And then, you know, the crowd sometimes, as much as they boo you, it's like, boo, throw a punch already. Now we're going to give you a chance. At least the UFC crowd is giving people a chance after they boo you. It's like, boo, do something. Now we're going to be silent. Can you do something now that you've heard our frustrations? Oh, y'all still dancing. Boom! You guys suck! Because uh, they yeah. sucked! Oh, congrats. I would love when they just become like a wrestling crowd and start cheering like other stuff. Just random things. Derek Bisping chant, a DC chant. Just to show the protest. That would funny. Now you mention it. They would have done that. It was just like... Terrible. I'm, I mean... Terrible. Like I like I really and and I was so excited and I'm like you know I'm watching these these preliminaries and a part of me had to ask myself am I just being spoiled am I being a spoiled entitled UFC fan 
coming off of such a great event that happened in London, but then again, coming off of a terrible event that happened in the States between Tiago Santos and Ankalaya. The car was good. The main event sucked. That's what that was. The car wasn't bad. It was the main event that was awful. That card. It's I like, get what you mean. You know, it's like coming off of that, then you get the UFC London event, which is just, oh. Legendary. Oh, my God. I want, I want fish and chips. It makes me want to eat fish and chips to, to celebrate. I wanted haggis. <laughs> I wanted haggis. And you know like, you know how nasty that sounds? Haggis. But I wanted it. I wanted some haggis. Yep. But it was just so good. And then you had this. So I had to ask myself, am I being a spoiled brat? No. And as I as this event continued, I said, "No, it's not being spoiled. It's having standards. I have yep. standards. Yes, I have standards for 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 an event. I have standards. I know what I want. That wasn't what I wanted. That wasn't what we deserved. That wasn't what Columbus, Ohio deserved. You got you got to wait all the way until Kai Kata France." Uh, you know, with the you know, and he put on the show just as much as they wanted him to because it was just. And then you gotta wait all the way until Kai Kata France, who's not even from Columbus, Ohio. It's like, hold up, hold up, DC. I gotta hit him with this one. Oh wait. I oh. What? Cause no excitement. Fuddy duds. Boring. Snooze fest. You lost. Boo. Was this after no. the? Was this after the Gutierrez fight and the Ash Ashabi? Oh, or the Gutierrez? Mm -hmm. I think it's, I I started I started off the the just the, you know you start off the the event and you're you know you're hoping it's like you know what you know it's gonna start off slow. Saldana versus Souza. It, it that was very very slow. Okay. That was slow. Oh my gosh, that was slow. Then you get into Nikola and uh, um, uh, Mateus Nikolaou versus David Jorvac. That was slow. Manon Fior versus Jennifer Maya. I'm hoping you know what? Okay, now we could get to you know we can get to some action. Let's get into some action. You know, let's we can finally you know the, the ladies gonna put on some action and they did. They were way more just, just oh my gosh, they were way better, way better. Then, you know, uh, uh, Elias Shab and Kirishev versus uh, yep. Dennis. The, who, who was, this? was this in the heavyweight division? I'm trying to find no, that out right now. No, middleweight? Okay, this wasn't the fight either. But the, um, you know what? This might have been the fight where both of these guys were dancing. Who knows? And then Gutierrez. And finally, once we got to Gutierrez and that spinning backwards happened, I said, we awake now. We woke up the card now. Thank you. The crowd is awake. Everyone's awake. Let's go. But until then, it was a snooze fest, man. Mm -hmm. In the words of in the words of Kendrick Lamar, it was boo boo. <laughs> Dan, I don't hear Kendrick Lamar reference. I guess it's appropriate for this case. Damn. Boo boo. Preliminaries were boo boo, man. I don't. I. I, I look it, over here at the MMA Hour, uh, MMA Weekly with with Chef Dan and Austin. We we gonna keep it real with you. We gonna keep it real with you. 
I can't lie to you. I can't, you guys no. are listening to me on, on whichever podcast platform that may be. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, or wherever you're getting it. And then you're going to hear me try and lie to you while you're at work. You know, think, you're thinking like, man, these guys, they saw the same event I did. And then you want me to lie to you and tell you that it was good? No, I can't do that. You can't. No, you can't do be, that. Be honest. I, don't yeah. keep, I don't keep it 100. I keep it one thou wow. And in one thou wow, no, I don't accept that. I have standards. I saw Absolutely. a better, I, I, I saw a better preliminary from when the, 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 the Brits invaded the first time. When the Brits invaded the first time, that was the best preliminaries we had ever saw. Because look at the do, look at the names that popped from those preliminaries. It was McCann. It was Pimblet. It was a uh, uh, Jack Shore. Gunnar Nelson was on that one as well. There's no, a whole bunch of names. He wasn't that on that one. one? No, not, not that one. Okay, but um, no, um, did Paul Craig? No, Paul Craig wasn't on that one either. But I did wish Paul Craig was on that one. But you see, a lot of names popped off that uh, uh preliminary. This one, nah. But then again, I, I'll tell you like this. Okay. Good news for everyone that was on the preliminaries. Good news. What, what, what is it? it? It's March? Yeah, from April to December to impress me. Get to it. I agree. Definitely. And thankful, uh, you know, and that Mark DeKessie fight wasn't the greatest either. That was not the greatest fight in the world. But at least, at least we have the... Um, the Magni Griffin, okay, guys, the brand, the train rolling, but it was really Kai Kai, our friends, Asker Askarov. I really got the crowd on this card going, okay, okay, now we're rolling. And then the, um, then of course, the Brian Barina Matt Brown fight was a dog fight, I, awesome fight. For me personally, I think the, the one matchup that truly warmed up the crowd was the Magni versus Griffin fight. You had no choice but to stand up on your feet and clap for that one. Like, I, I got up on my feet and, and gave it a round of applause for that fight because this is Warriors. Yeah, I loved it completely. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, Warriors, and then you had the freaking Barbarina and Matt Brown fight showing their Warrior spirit and things like that. And of course, Grasso's and yeah, Grasso's and her finish, and then and Curtis Blades. So yeah, I mean, at least at least thankfully the, it ended strong. Thankfully, thank God for that. Uh, more so, thankfully, is that, you know, the show was where, you know, the excitement was where if if it wasn't there in the preliminaries is where you needed it to be in the main card. And the main card performers, like usually we say this, we, we'll always let you know, usually the main card guys aren't the ones that's performing out that's outperforming their spot. It's usually the preliminaries guys trying to get into the main card and the main card guys, when they perform, it seems like they're just content with being on the main card. But today to uh, i mean last night they the main car guys did their job they held up their end of the bargain completely and they put on a show so salute to those guys all in all definitely yeah oh yeah that, salute to them and salute to, salute to them and it's great great that the fight nights are back outside the apex in front of crowds again in the united states and just in general first time out in the united states the fight nights been in the crowd in, since february of 2020 oh yeah most definitely and um you know, they, they didn't give you guys much of a good fight, but Columbus, Ohio, I pray that the UFC returns back there. Maybe end off the end off the year in Columbus, Ohio. Give them a give them a banger. I agree. They 
I think they will. They've been in Columbus before. They were the pay-per-view back in the day. That I forgot it was. It was Matt Brown made his debut. Matt Brown fought on that pay-per-view they were ever seen back in 2009. That was in Columbus. They they've gone there a few times. I think they will be back. Hopefully, end of the year. But I think they will be back in Columbus. They definitely, oh, definitely deserve one. Okay. So uh, yeah, as long as they um, yeah, just give Columbus, Ohio, another chance at just getting better fights because and. Dude, it, it, it wasn't for a lack of crowd energy. The crowd was truly into it. The crowd yep. was truly into it. It was just the fighters from the preliminaries. Certain fighters from the preliminary rounds did not end up, hold up their end of the bargain. So, all in all, yeah, um, it was an okay card. To me, personally, it was an okay card to me. All right, all right and... Okay, well, that's seems like the end of the UFC our UFC recap, and um, there's no UFC this coming week. They're taking a break, a one week break. However, the week after is the big UFC pay per view, UFC 273 in Jacksonville, Florida, between um, Alexander Volkanovski and Korean Zombie in the main event for the featherweight title, and then the bantamweight title co-main event between Pio Yan and Aljamain Sterling. And so we, you know, next week we'll break down that card. That's a very good card. You have Hamza and Gilbert Burns. You also got other fights in that card. Are pretty in- intriguing to watch. There is a whole lot of intrigue on this card. You have Mackenzie Dern on this card. Right, you right. have Kelvin Gas. Oh my God! I Austin, I got to use the bathroom real quick. I-, I can't touch this card right now because I no. will. I will go down the rabbit hole. I will literally go down the rabbit hole and you will hear me say i'm late i'm late i'm late let me not do that no, okay you said you had to break down some uh one uh one fc so yes. I, i'd love to hear that give me one uh but yeah i gotta run real quick i'd love to hear that okay um yeah over the weekend um this past saturday and although in, in the united states it was early in the morning because the event took place in Singapore, where one fc is based off there was a one one ten happened, which was the ten. It was a ten year anniversary. It's been there was one championship was celebrating a ten year anniversary of the organization with the show. It was a ten year anniversary show, and it, and I saw the, the main event and the co main events, and the co main event featured a mixed rules match. It was basically Muay Thai MMA. The first and third rounds were um, Muay Thai fights, and the, and the second and fourth round were MMA fight, was MMA rules. It was between Demetrius Johnson and and Rotatang, um, G- uh, Jim, G- can I pronounce his last name? I apologize for butchering his last name. Rotatang, um, G- uh, Jim Migon, uh, the Iron Man, who who I believe has over 300 professional Muay Thai fights and has won 260 plus of them. And this was very entertaining, despite the weird spectacle, weird um, freak show fight was with the mixed rules. It was entertaining. They both wore MMA gloves, gloves, excuse me. And the first round, Demetrius was got rocked, got hit a, a, several times, not too much, but still, still de- s- decent amount considering d- it was dangerous because you know um, Rotag is a one one champion and a champion in one's Muay Thai division. He's got over 300 fights, but Demetrius was able to survive and even throw, even um, threw some shots back in Muay Thai rules. And and once the MMA, once it went to the second round, MMA rules were applied. We all kind of knew that Demetrius Johnson, if he got to take that, if he was able to get hold of Rotang, he was gonna win the fight. And that's what he did. And once he got hold of Rotang, he was able to 
take him down, get all his back, and we're going to choke him to where Rotang didn't tap, but he passed out, and Demetrius Johnson got the victory. Although it doesn't count as an MMA record because it's not an official MMA fight, still, it's another victory for him. It's great to see him bounce back for after his after after suffering his first KO loss to Adrian Morales. Um, to uh, hang on, Adrian. Morales, let me let me not butcher his name. Trying, yeah, Adriano Morales. There we go. That's who he lost to his last fight. Who also fought on this card and won via submission against Yuta Wakamatsu. But I didn't see that fight. And then the co-main event was pretty entertaining. I mean, not the co-main event. Excuse me. The main event itself was pretty exciting between Andrea League and uh, Stan uh, Fatex, in which Andrea League won via Rakey Choke in the fourth in the second round. I mean that was, I mean this fight was entertaining. I thought Andrea Lee was done personally. She got hit with a body shot in like the first round, like two minutes, like two minutes ago in the first round, and the way she reacted, it looked like she was done because she did not like it. She went back and. And Fatex went in. Fatex went in and tried to finish her. Land everybody shot, but Andrew Lee gave her credit, showing her toughness to survive that round and, and minimize the damage that she absorbed despite getting the body twice from Fairtex. And then once, but once the dirt, but once the uh, second round came, Andrew Lee was able to use her high level from Jitsu to take down um, Fairtex and just go for so many different submissions. She went from arm bars to triangles to. To like arm bars while she was on top of her fair tax. I mean, her. I mean, that just, that grappling display was incredible to watch. I mean, that was phenomenal, Angela Lee. But once she got the um, rear naked choke position, in towards the end of the second round, it, she was able to make um, fair tax tap because fair tax knew she couldn't get out of it. Angela Lee showed her high level um, jitsu, and that was a pretty impressive performance for her. This is her first fight since giving birth to her daughter. Or well, not her daughter. Her child, I don't remember the gender. Let me apologize there. But she's first fight since giving her birth to, to her child as she defends her Animeweight Championship or will be classified as UFC Strawweight um, Championship since 115. Angela Lee shows why she's one of the best women fighters outside the UFC. And she, in my opinion, she's one of the best women fighters in the world, if you really think about it. So... Shout out to her, and this was, you know, those two fights were entertaining. I heard the one car in general was pretty good, top to bottom. It's, and which is good to hear, considering this was a 10-year anniversary show. And so, obviously, one wanted to deliver, and it delivered. So, so that's good to hear. And, yeah, I saw those two fights, and those two fights were pretty damn, were pretty good. One championship, I, I like I like some of the things one championship's different, obviously. They have their own rules. They don't, you know, it's things they do that you don't see in American MMA or North American MMA in particular, especially in terms of like, um, knee, knee, you know, you could throw knees to down opponents, etc. And one championship's got a good product going for it. Um, for the most part, I mean, there's a reason why I can see why they've grown in the last 10 years, why they're still around 10 years later, and why they're why they do well in Asia. So good, 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 good two fights I saw. And I heard the car was really good, like I said. I got to find a way to, you know, I, I just have to separate the time one one of these days to uh, watch 1FC. Me personally, I, I get it on my, um, it's right, I'm subscribed to it. I get the notifications for all the shows. And funny enough, 1FC, they, they, they do you a favor, ladies and gentlemen. Their shows are also aired on YouTube. You can get it via the Bleacher Report. Um, I believe it, they, they aired via the Bleacher Report. Um... Bleacher Report, a YouTube channel that might that might be it. 
We beat your report BRT live, you know, BR live, you mean? Or Yeah, BR live, maybe yeah. I know they uh they uh air it on YouTube. Give me one moment. I'm gonna look it up right now. I just wanna make sure I I, I get it correct. I know I knew they had TNC deal. I, I didn't know if this was I I knew they have a TNC deal. That I do know. Sometimes they okay, air it well, on TNT. They- Okay, well, they do have their own um, YouTube channel, One Championship, of course. But I know on uh, Bleacher Report Live, they sometimes, Bleacher Report will re-air the 1FC event that happened earlier in that day. So that's one of the things I got to check out there. But all in all, it sounds like that was an interesting fight between uh, uh, Demetrius, Mighty Mouse Johnson, and his opponent, man. I, I don't see how you could, you know... It, it, it would be difficult enough for me, right? Because we've seen the, the 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 difficulties that fighters have had as far as like moving from one state to the other. I mean, fighting from one state to the other, and the different commission rules. So now to actually agree that you're going to go into a combat sport where two, you know, half of the rounds are going to be dictated by one set of rules. And the other half is going to be dictated by another set of rules. It's going to is very very interesting to me. That's very interesting to me. Very hard too. I mean, that's Chad Demetrius took the risk and got the victory, which I think we all knew. If we got to the MMA rules, DJ was going to win that fight, and he did. I mean, that, that's pretty crazy though. To think about. I feel like it's something that can only happen in Asian MMA, Japanese or Asian MMA, like one one championship. Because I feel like in the United States or North America. That would not happen at all. They're, nah, like the uh, uh, America. What I can say with um, man, there's a good side and a downside to this. Commission. The good side with what um Japan is doing is that because they're truly so open to any different idea, they can. They're literally they may be ahead as far as like what works in the entertainment sectors and what works as far as in, in, in entertainment for the people. The downside is that they are willing to try any and everything to, you know, see what works. They're pushing the envelope. The problem with Americans is that we know what works for us. So that means nine times out of ten, when someone pushes the envelope, it looks weird to us. It doesn't hit the eye as comfortably as it would in any other, you know, market. But at least they're at least they're doing that, and and that that is a beautiful thing, you know. Making experimenting with the sport of MMA and seeing how far you can go, uh, go with it while keeping it relatively within the realm where fighters aren't, you know, they, they, they're not putting themselves in harm's way just to try and, you know, make something work that shouldn't work. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. Definitely, you know, something different. Like I said, you only see it in like Asian MMA or Japanese MMA. Well, Japan is Asia, but you know, there's a different, you know, still. For a while, it used to be Japanese MMA. That was big. That was big, and it still exists now. And, and there's other Asian MMA promotions. But you get what I mean. You usually see them experiment more over there than you do here in the United States or North America. There's things you see over there you only see over there versus here. You, you, hopefully, you guys get my point. Not to sound too redundant. No, definitely, yeah. But um, all in all, I I will definitely check out the One FC card. You are not the only person to tell me about this. I, I, I go on a Discord chat for uh, my NFTs that I'm buying, and 
there was someone there who found out that I'm an MMA fan and they said, listen, if you did not watch this one FC card that happened uh, just recently, you're missing out on it. Go and check it out, please. Do yourself a favor. So I definitely have to do that. Yeah, and definitely. And before we go, I want to mention this real quick. And for Bellator news, um, as you know, April 22nd is the beginning of the Bantamweight Tournament. However, unfortunately, there's some unfortunate news. Sergio Pettis is out. Unfortunately, he has an injury. Um, I don't remember what the injury was, per se. I know he's... um. It's due an injury, and looks like it's, it, the, the, the tournament's going to be for the interim Bantamweight title, as apparently you won't be able to fight for a while. And However, instead of him taking on Rafael Instantz, it's Juan Archuleta, the guy he took the fell off, the former champion, stepping in and fighting Rafael Instantz in April 22nd. So the, the, so, the, so the tournament's obviously still going to go on, and the main event of that April that Hawaii card in, in April 22nd is going to be Juan Archuleta and Rafael Instantz. Which is going to be a good fight, regardless. That's still pretty entertaining, as uh, entertaining fights. I mean, Rafael Stunts did call out um, Juan Archuleta as well, so he gets that wish as well. Find Juan Archuleta. Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, it sucks that Sergio Pettis isn't going to be, you know, uh, in the tournament and that they're not defending it for the actual title. But when looking at it, you know, all in its face value and what could happen here, these back-to-back money fights. Usually you go right out of the uh, the, the the you go right out of the, uh, out of these Grand Prix. You don't really know who the next opponent is for the champion like that. You kind of you know you're hoping that someone is going to reveal themselves. Right now we we have matchups set. We have the Grand Prix. Then we have whoever wins the Grand Prix versus Sergio Pettis. And then we may also have the the person who you know lost to the person against uh, you know in the Grand Prix. That might end up being the next opponent between, you know, the winner of uh, the, the interim champion and Sergio Pettis. There's a myriad of ways you can match make. Yeah. And it's also weird what Bellator is doing. I, well, I just learned this now. Um, apparently, they're going to have like a, a wild card round. So basically, six spots have been filled. It's uh, Archuleta and Stouts, as we mentioned. Padre Mix against Horiguchi or Gucci as well. And also, however, we got uh, Leonardo Higo and Magomed Makamov, who, uh, who are in the tournament but don't have opponents yet. It's going to be two wild card fights between. Um, yeah, let me check. Let me make sure. Why is it? Lo- I'm sorry. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find out the names of the fighters in the card. And it's um, Jornel Lugo against Danny uh, Sapatello and Josh Hill against Enrique Barzola. Which will also be on April 22nd, as along with the Stouts and um, Stouts and um, Archer fights. So it's kind of unique. You know, I've never seen an MMA tournament with wild card rounds. That's a first when you think about it. I mean, as 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 much as that is a first, though, that it gives someone an opportunity that if they have the right run, they could, you know, someone who, who, who essentially doesn't have that much tape on themselves because they could be, you know. Someone that just got that, that that just happened to make it just in time to qualify for the tournament. They could have a. I don't. You know what? We can liken this to another sport. You could have a St. Peter's type of run here. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. You, you know, you know the 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 um the favorite winning the tournament. That sounds good. It helps everyone's money. It does. Cool. Ah, uh, whatever. But when you get an upset. 
when you get a Cinderella story, that pushes marketability. Truly pushes marketability. So I, I would, I'm going to be very interested in that one right there. I'd love to see if someone could make a Cinderella kind of run there. And uh, my eye would be more so on someone like Jornel Lugo. I think he had the, uh, I, I think he'd have the capability to make a run like that. Good point. Um, this is this is a first, like I said, in MMA. I've never seen a wild card round for a tournament ever. This is a first. I get Belcher credit for doing something original, unique. Give him shout, give him credit for that. And, pushing the envelope. Yeah, pushing the envelope. Yeah. And shoot, I was gonna bring up something. I had something. Dang it, I had something in mind. It was, uh, well, dang, I'm trying to remember. I had something else about the tournament. Oh, oh yeah. Also, also, not only do you win the instant bandwidth tie, you also win a million dollars on top of that. I'm pretty sure as well. So that's makes it more. That was literally we both forgot about the same thing because I was about to say that too. You should not shut off the Grand Prix if Sergio Pettis is not there because that that opportunity to get a million dollars can still change someone's life. Especially when you look at, uh, you know, I, I've i been doing some research on what fighters make and, and what they have to pay out after the fights. That million dollars after that Bellator tournament, it does a lot for those fighters. It does. No matter what, like, you can't tell, like, you know, regardless of, uh, of you know... Of people saying, "Hey, man, this uh, a fighter comes out and say, hey, man, my expenses aren't that much. I get paid this that much. I, I, I this that whatever.' Like all in all, the base compensation for the smallest guy isn't what's fair for you know the biggest guy. And you know, to an extent, that's you know you shouldn't the the smallest guy in this room shouldn't be getting paid like the biggest guy in the room, but he definitely shouldn't be struggling to make ends meet every time. Right." And this and this is definitely going to help them out. Even Nimkov and Anderson, the week before the bantamweight term begins, they're finally they're finally settling the um, heavyweight tournaments. And you know, both guys are make decent money because of championship fights, and Corey Anderson does get paid decent amount considering he's free agent. Still, a million dollars can do a lot for both guys as well. So definitely something that I think these guys are going to be super motivated and go out of the way to deliver, especially considering how much money's on the line. Also. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It, with that much money on the line, you just got to, um, yeah, just, just give everyone, even if the champ ain't there, who cares? He doesn't get a chance at a million dollars? Who cares? He's already got a gold belt. What, the rich get richer now? Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, well, yeah, either way, I mean, that's that's the big news. It's definitely unique. I'm de I'm still looking forward to this Vanaway tournament. This tournament going to be this tournament is going to be good. I think this might be the best Bellator tournament they've done, I think, personally. So this will go down oh, with yeah. the best one. There is a chance for a lot of highlights in this tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. It's April 22nd begins. That's three, I think, three weeks. Yeah, three or four weeks Roughly from now. three weeks. Yeah, three, four weeks from now. Yep. Three, four weeks. Yep. Excited for that. I can't wait. And anything you want to say before we end the show, um, Shutdown? Um... I just want to talk, uh, touch on the subject real quick because it, it was a big news in the MMA world uh, between Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal. The event that uh, transpired in Miami as far as um, Kobe Covington will, uh, seemingly getting attacked by Jorge Masvidal in the streets. 
I um listen. It, it, that is a very uncomfortable subject to to, to go around. Like I I was reading a lot of it, and, and you know you know you go through you go you go through so many emotions of what you think should have happened, what you think should not have happened, and I just want to say this at the end of the day, man. When fighters are, you know, in the ring and they're fighting and when fighters are not in the ring and they're promoting, you know, the fight of this, that, whatever, certain things, regardless, are inbound, certain things are not. Let's start that off. Kobe Covington, you were dead wrong. You spoke about that man's children. That man's children is not going to get in the ring and fight for their honor. They don't get to do that. No one's child that is famous gets to fight for their honor. So you like just don't mention people's children. Regardless, it, it ain't got to be Jorge's children. No one's child deserves that because no child is going to have the ability to even defend themselves against you. And how would you look even trying to, you know, make fun of a kid for the, the, the mistakes that his father does? And with Jorge, man, I you had I, I'm going to keep saying this. You had 25 minutes to get it done in the ring. You had 25 minutes to get it done. You didn't get the job done. Should have got it done. Should have done way more. Should have trained better to get, you know, the results you wanted in the ring. But all in all, man, watching this, neither of these guys look good coming out of it. I thought this, uh, I, I would have hoped that it would have been a, a, a bloody fight between these two in the ring. And that would have been the best chance for these two guys to settle it. Because regardless of the, you know, regardless of of, 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 uh, uh, of the results, if those two guys had bloodied each other up in the ring, then it would have been all right. They, they would have walked away. It would have been okay. But that's not what happened. And we still go on to this. I... Just with, with, with Jorge, you, you definitely had 25 minutes to get it done. You should have got it done. And especially in all that time, like, you know, the way you were doing, going about things, you should have got it done. And when Kobe Covington, just don't talk about people's children no more. I don't care if that's a character you're trying to display to sell tickets or not. Like, it's just not cool. And the, the, the generation of fans are getting smarter and smarter to know what's acceptable and what isn't. And talking about someone's children is just not cool. But all in all, that's that's the last thing I want to say on that. Okay. I have stuff myself, but it would take too long to the video. That's all. It would take too long to explain my feelings about this. That's something I might do separately. I'll, I'll, that's all I'll say. Because if I do, it's going to go way too long. And don't want to do that. But, oh, but yeah, um... Definitely crazy what's going on with the Covington Hoy situation, especially in the steakhouse in Miami. Might stop, but yeah. Um, any else you want to wrap? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Nah, I was just saying, this seems like everything goes down in Prime 112, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, well, I gotta say, don't people are wondering if it was fake. Well, I think you got your answers. You I got your answer, ladies and gentlemen. It is not fake at all. Like that. It is not fake at all. Uh, and and <laughs> how much drama has to go down in Prime 112? Luckily, the Knicks were there just a week later to celebrate a victory. But luckily, luckily, they weren't there during the, the brawl. Thank the Lord the Knicks didn't get hurt, right? <laughs> Thank, uh, so they didn't do anything, anything crazy or stupid in Prime 112. 
exactly. Just don't. Everyone wants this stakes there. Look, Freddie Gibbs is getting jumped by John by Jim Jones in Prime One Twelve, and damn, like this is a lot that goes down in Prime One Twelve. They gotta fix their security in Prime One Twelve, man. It's Miami I, Beach, dang, Miami Beach too. Nice area. It's really a nice area. I know spring break gets crazy, but dang, yo, Miami, fix yourself, man. Fix yourself. That's all I gotta say. That's my last words. Miami, fix yourself, man. I've been, yeah, I've been, yeah, my, never mind. Anyway, um, thank you guys for, um, shout out Miami. I've been, you know, I've been there a lot over the years, but anyway, thank, anyway, thank you guys for watching, listening to us, wherever you're, you are watching us, we've been YouTube or listening to us, do all the audio podcast platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, Reason FN, etc. Thank you guys for watching us, listening to us. Look forward to doing the show next week to break down the exciting and great UFC 273 pay-per-view card from Jacksonville, Florida. Next week, look forward to breaking that down. I'm Austin the Chef Dan. Thank you guys for listening to in. We'll see you next time. Peace and peace. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, we are.